I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, former college professor turned manager in a large corporation turned entrepreneur. And not just any entrepreneur. I've made it my life's work to make organizational life more effective and fulfilling. So welcome to Working Conversations, the podcast where we digest and translate research and ideas on workplace dynamics and serve up to you the most interesting and actionable strategies to make your workplace conversations and your relationships more effective, productive, and influential. If you're looking for proven tools for your workplace toolbox, you're in the right place. Now, let's get after it. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Working Conversations podcast, where we talk all things leadership, business communication, and trends in organizational life. I'm your host, Dr. Janelle Anderson. And today on the podcast, we are continuing a series of interviews connected to the Great Resignation, a unique time in our nation's history when millions of people are literally quitting their jobs. And to be specific, over 11 and a half million people in the past five months. I'm interviewing some people who have left and been part of that great resignation, exploring the whys and the hows and the what fors behind their reasons. And I'm also interviewing those who have chosen to stay and looking at what their reasons are. My hunch is that a driving factor in what's behind the great resignation is that, you know, this crazy pandemic has prompted people to take a closer look at their work and whether that work has meaning for them, both personal meaning and professional meaning. Today on the podcast, I am pleased to interview Alex Magner, a certified financial planner at Morgan Stanley. Alex is a certified financial planner, and that is no easy feat, I need to add. Uh, There is an extremely rigorous exam and years of industry experience that goes along with getting that designation, so I just wanted to call that out. Now, Alex is someone that I have known somewhat casually for a few years. Our kids used to go to the same school and our paths crossed at school events and so forth. But what prompted me to interview Alex is her LinkedIn posts. She's been posting about leadership, mentorship, and all of these passionate things behind her career. And so, Alex, I am pleased to welcome you to the podcast. Alex, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm so happy to be here. So I am, I'm a mom, I'm a financial planner, I'm a passionate athlete. There's a lot, there are lots of ways to describe who I am, but those are the things that I focus on. All right. So give me the thumbnail or maybe longer than the thumbnail sketch of your career path, because I think you've had some interesting turns in terms of your career development and how you landed where you are today. So tell us about the journey from, you know, graduating college to becoming a a certified financial planner? Ah, great question. Yeah, I took a a somewhat uh, circuitous path to becoming a financial planner. I I did not get a degree in business or economics, though I did take economics classes for my degree. I was an environmental activist and a writer out of college, right? So uh, I described myself as a late bloomer. It took me until my mid to late 20s to really figure out what I wanted to be doing and how to make money, right, and support myself in the world. And what I fell into was something that I was very passionate about, which was bicycles. I started bike racing in my mid 20s and then found out that one of the largest bike companies in the world was based in Minnesota. So I got a job there and was really fortunate to be part of the company as it was growing. I spent 10 years there ending as the the VP of sales for the company. And 
I became a VP. My goal had been to be a VP there by the time I was 35. And, you know, by the time I was 35, I kind of looked around and said, you know, do I imagine myself being here for the next 30 years? Right. Do I imagine myself retiring? And once I knew that I, that wasn't part of my plan, I really led me on that path of figuring out where am I going to spend that next 30 years? And, you know, I had, the funny thing that had happened, I really, you know, I, I discovered I loved business working in the bicycle industry and I loved leadership. I loved leading teams. I was passionate about business strategy and the more responsibility that I took on, you know, the more my time was not my own, right? The more I traveled for work, the longer hours I worked. And, and so I knew I wanted to do something where my time became my own again and where I could really build something that where I could directly help people. I could directly, you know, help people create meaning in their own lives. And one of the things that I was really nerdy about is financial planning and finances. I was kind of a go-to person for my peers on, you know, hey, Alex, you know, how much money should I put in my 401k? Um, What should I be invested in? How do I pay off my debt? So they were asking you about their personal finances just because of your role at work and because you knew and you were nerdy about that stuff. Is that right? Yeah, it was yeah, it was something that I talked about pretty openly. Okay. Um, you know, I really encourage people to negotiate their own salaries, you know, talk through, you know, thinking about expenses, thinking about, you know, salaries and income and investing. And so that was something that people came to me with questions on. Oh, that's that's so cool that it just organically developed out of you in a role where you were, where you obviously were demonstrating financial savvy in the business. And then people were just naturally gravitating to you towards advice around their personal finances. Right. And that really opened up my eyes to the fact that there is, you know, if there, there's a, a career, there's a business in, you know, helping people set goals and helping people, you know, figure out their finances and figure out investing and so you know, in 2017, I left the bicycle industry and joined Morgan Stanley as a financial advisor. That's just such a good story to, that shows your passion for something really evolving into whatever was next for you. And I think that you nailed it when you said you hit this sort of inflection point in your career where you're asking yourself, is this what I want to do for the next 30 years? Is this where I want to retire from? What else might there be for me that maybe combined with the uh, as you mentioned, you felt like your time was not your own anymore because you were set in such a senior level position with the organization. That totally makes sense why you would make that change at that point. Right. I think that you know it's for many people when you know you have to make a change, right? You can either feel stuck or it can drive you and you just say, okay, I have to be done, right? It's not, you know, once I knew this is not the place I'm going to retire, I knew that I had to find a, a different direction, right? I couldn't wait years to to go once i knew it was time to go once i knew it was time to do something else i knew i really had to figure out what that was and make the change right right well now have you been tempted at all during this period of great resignation when so many people are leaving their jobs have you been tempted by anything else or are you staying the course i have to say that i oh, i am weekly if not daily grateful that i am doing what i am doing right now do i think about just you know, I have a ton of flexibility, right? As a financial advisor, certainly people rely on me, right? And there's stress, you know, when there's, you know, stress in the the market or when people are feeling you know, uncertain about the economy and uncertain about their own lives. 
right? And I need to be available for people. But I can, if I need to take a walk in the middle of the day, I can do it. Today, I it took me, I left the office for two hours, the office being, you know, my my attic. Your home I office, left yeah. My home <laughs> office. I left my home office for two hours to take one of my kids to a doctor's appointment in the middle of the day. And I didn't need to tell anyone I was doing that, right? It was, mm-hmm. you know, my time is really my own. And I have so much control over what my day looks like. If you have know, things feel stressful in the world or at work, so I can take the time to, you know, go on a run, go work out, take a day off. Um, and if I, you know, I'm really excited about what's happening, I can work a 12 hour day, but that, that is my choice to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say, no, you were not tempted in the least by this. Group. I was not tempted in the least. No. <laughs> well, let me ask you about my hunch regarding finding meaningful work and the, the pandemic being this inflection point for people when their, you know, family life and their work life are happening all in the same place as it is the case for so many people who are working from home. So with that as the context, I have this hunch that people are seeing a misalignment and the people who are participating by and large in the great resignation are seeing some sort of misalignment in their values in terms of how their work and their life are working together and their work isn't feeling meaningful for them. And you know, I take a very broad approach to the idea of meaningful work. Um, some might want the flexibility to blend their work and their family life, and that might be what feels meaningful to them. Others might feel strongly called to do work for a certain type of organization, and still others might have personal values that they want to align with the type of work that they're doing. And others might have a set of values that has nothing to do with the type of work that they're doing, but the work that they're doing is the means to support their family or the means to support their hobbies or their activities that are outside of work. And so whether that's, you know, working in a manufacturing environment when they're not passionate about manufacturing, but the pay is good and that puts food on the table and pays for their Harley or whatever. I think meaningful work can be cast in a very broad, you know, in a very broad sense. But I'm curious to know, do you think that meaningful work and the search for meaningful work and alignment of values is a driving force behind this great resignation? You know, how I have thought about it is uh, I think the pandemic has really accelerated people's goal timeline. So many people think, you know, someday I'll have a cabin. Someday I'll live in a different state where I have family, but I can't do it now. Right? Someday I'll be able to have more meaningful work or you know, work for an organization that I feel really passionate about. And during the pandemic, people just did those things, right? People just, they moved, they bought the cabin, they quit, they changed jobs, they stepped down from you know, leadership responsibilities that looked really great on a resume, but they didn't care about, right? Did not, they did not find meaning in. And so I think it's, you know, people, right, sitting at home with their families, all of their entire life meshed together thought, you know, why am I waiting, right? Why am I waiting for some future point to do this thing that really matters to me and to live a life that feels more meaningful, that I feel more passionate about? I'm just going to do it now. There's no reason not to just do it now. So I love that you mentioned this idea of this accelerated goal timeline, because I'm sure you're working day and night with your clients on their financial goals. And so you're seeing this from a financial perspective, broadly speaking, because people, you know, many of the things that you mentioned, the cabin and the various things, they cost some money. So if people had some ideas about this, you know, the, the someday, that someday was 
always going to be, you know, whether it was a few years to a few decades in the future and the pandemic comes along and brings someday into a much tighter focus for people. And as you, as you so aptly put, accelerated their goal timelines. I love that, that phrase. So when you think about that someday coming into tighter focus, has that happened for you personally? Is there anything that you've taken on, whether that's a hobby or a, a purchase or a, you know something, has there been a particular goal of yours that got accelerated or brought into tighter focus during this time? Or have you just been so busy helping your clients with those things that, that yours is still on the someday list? <laughs> No, it's, I mean, honestly, seeing this happen with my clients and the people around me has uh, really what has made me reflect on, you know, my someday goals, right? I've seen, um, you know, I've seen clients and people around me who have, who have done exactly that, right? They, they had a goal on a list, right? I, I love people helping people figure out how to reach their goals, but they have goals on these lists, you know, four or five or 10 years from now that they just figured out how to make happen sooner. And you know, that for me, I really had it in my head that I was going to spend, you know, four to six years really building my business and I was going to work really hard. And then I would have time after that to have more flexibility to spend time with my kids. <laughs> and, you know, I, I actually, I had this conversation with my dad and he said, he said, you know, one of my regrets is that I worked so hard while you kids were little and then, you know, I got successful and I was making good money, but it was after you were out of the house, right? And I didn't, you know, I wish I would have just, you know, told myself I have time and I would have gone to your baseball games and I would have gone to your softball games. And I thought, you know, I'm doing the same thing, right? I'm I'm telling myself this story that I've got to just buckle down, you know, build the business. Um, I'm going to work really hard. And then later I can have the flexibility. I can spend more time with my kids. And, you know, during the pandemic, I just said, gosh, I just want to do that now. Right. My, you know, we had 10 years left uh, with my kids being at home, 10 summers left being able to do things all together as a family. Uh, and who knows what high school is going to look like, right. They might not want to spend time with me anymore. <laughs> so, you know, I've really just made the time to to spend more time with them. I bought a tandem bicycle to ride with my 12-year-old, who is the the slowest bike rider in the family. And so, uh, you know, we can all ride together when we're on the tandem. Um, tried to start running with my 12-year-old. Uh, I just took a trip to San Francisco with my 10-year-old daughter. So just, you know, it's, I've just let myself have the time and space to to do it now instead of telling myself this story that I have to wait or I have to work really hard and then I get this reward in the future. Well, and I think that's so that's such a powerful example for listeners because there may be some of my listeners who are thinking like, well, I don't really want a cabin or a boat or a big expensive thing out in the future, but you know, what you did is you brought someday into tighter focus and the thing that you were going to do someday was more of an experience the experience of having better work-life balance, more time with your kids or, you know, however you wanted to fill that time. And you said, no, someday is now. We need to get right. that happening now. That is Absolutely. such an important lesson because I think it can be so tempting to whether it is climbing the corporate ladder or for someone like you or me who, who are essentially running our own businesses, it can be very tempting to have a particular 
um, whether that's number of years of service or a job title or dollars in the bank account or whatever it is as that goal that we're going to climb towards. And then once we get there, there's this expectation that everything will be different at that point. And I think for people who do that, they often realize that really everything is not different at that point. It's just rife with a different set of problems and the same challenges and, um, or some of the same challenges. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, life is busy, right? Modern life is busy. And I, I try hard not to just say I'm busy and tell that story, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's hectic for everyone. Right. And so, you know, whether you're a corporate employee or self-employed, it's, it's not, you know, there's not, you don't, you don't get a ribbon. You know, there's not some point at which someone says, you know, you, you got to the finish line. Now you get what you want. Now you get more work-life flexibility, right? we we just have to make it for ourselves. This episode is made possible by Instacart. If you haven't already started using Instacart, now is the time, my friend. Now I'm the first one to say that I actually enjoy a trip to the grocery store. I really do. But you know what I like doing even better? Making this podcast. When I was deep in the development of this podcast, outlining and recording the first few episodes, my kids reminded me that they needed to eat. Instacart to the rescue. In absolutely record time, Magnolia, my Instacart shopper that day, delivered chicken nuggets, milk, avocados, fresh berries, and a host of other groceries we needed. When life gets busy, or when you just want to feel like royalty and have someone do it for you, there's Instacart. Get $10 off your first order when you sign up at workingconversations.com forward slash Instacart. Now, back to the show. Now, we kind of danced around this idea of meaningful work. What's meaningful work for you? And how does your, you know, past jobs and current job line up with the idea of meaningful work? Yeah, I mean, meaningful work for me is really about helping people define and achieve their big life goals. And, you know, I am personally a very, very goal-focused person, right? And it's, you know, my, I really feel alive when, you know, in my personal and professional life, I'm setting big goals and I'm achieving big goals. I like to, you know, I'm an athlete. I like to set big athletic goals for myself each year. And, and part of the reason that I do that is, you know, I'm, like I was never, I was in a division one athlete in college. I, I've always been sort of a middle of the road athlete, right? And I want to model and show people that just, you know, setting a big goal and working toward it, you can do really big things, right? And and that carries over into my work as well, right? Is helping people figure out, right? It's not just about an amount of money or when you can retire, right? It's not about how many stock options you have it's what do you do with it right what is it what does it buy what is how do you turn that into whatever is a fulfilling life for you and that's what i love i really love helping people figure out and define you know what is it that really matters to them like you were talking about right it's for some people it's the cabin or the boat for some people it's time flexibility for some people it is you know so a, a title right or working for a company that that's their dream company right but you got to know what it is right otherwise it's really hard to feel fulfilled yeah so as you cast that it makes me think of the role of a financial planner as being far more 
um, instrumental in guiding someone's life decisions than just simply managing their funds or helping them make choices about uh, rebalancing their portfolio. Right. It absolutely is. You know, there are hundreds of places that people can go to get robotic advice on investments. You can plug in some numbers online and get a financial plan, right? To figure out if I want to retire at 60 and spend $100,000, how much do I have to have saved by the time I retire, right? Those are commodities, right? And so as an advisor, I want to, you know, one of the things I've learned in business is adding value, right? How do you, how do you add value? How do you provide meaningful, you know, value to people's lives? And so you know, what I want to be able to do is really help people do something that you know, a robot can't or that an algorithm can't. And that is making those really big life decisions, especially in between couples, right? Because my idea of fulfilling, fulfilling life is completely different than my wife's, right? And we have, you know, we've got different backgrounds, different money stories, different career passions. And so so part of what I really love to do is talk to people, talk to couples and help them figure out what are their what are their shared goals, right? What do they want to create together? Because when you have those shared goals in a relationship, right, you you get to them faster and you're more likely to to be building a life that really matters to both of you. Right, because if one person has like let's say a back pocket dream of having an investment property and the other person doesn't even know about that, the other half of the couple doesn't even know that's a thing, then that's probably not going to happen. But once that gets on the table, then that could be a, you know, that or whatever it is could be a very realistic thing for them to accomplish together. Absolutely. Right. And, you know, I've talked to people who, you know, one partner, all they want in the world is land and a cabin and escape. And the other one says, no, I don't want that. Right. I want to make sure that we're paying for kids college. And so how do you, you know, how do you get to something together? How do you build something that you both really agree with? Because it's, it's tough, right? When you want really different things. <laughs> so you tout yourself as being a financial nerd, but now I also have a sense hearing you talk about your actual work, that you're also um, a partner's counselor and a dream manifester and all these other things. And that's, that's really all part of it, right? It's, I mean, money is such a, an emotional and a key part of our lives. I mean, so I, I talked about money stories, right? But this is like, we all, like we grew up with weird family issues with money. Everybody does. Either, you know, money means success, money is guilt, money is whatever it is in our families. And so I am often sitting down with couples and it's the first time they're really talking to each other about, here's what I believe about money, right? Here's the role that money plays in my life. And I, I, you know, I'm not a therapist, you know, and it's, I can refer people to therapists, but it's, you got to talk about those things, right? Because that's the, you know, our goals are based on our, our values. So you have to understand what are the values? What's the story first? And then, you know, you build the goals from there. And it's, it's the same thing for people's careers, right? It's, you know, you're following a career trajectory. That's what your parents expected of you or someone else expected of you, but it's not what matters to you. It's not going to work right? There's no, there's no passion or meaning in that. Right. Right. And, and, you know, when you described your early career as being in activism, uh, it seems like that's really kind of followed your, you, that, that thread has been present throughout your career path. And I would say like right now you're an activism for you're you're an activist for people getting what they want out of their life and using their money effectively to create the life that they're dreaming of. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I, the reason that I was an activist is because I wanted to make a difference, right? I wanted to do something that mattered. And I, at the time, I felt like that was through, you know, nonprofits and environmental activism. And then, you know, as I worked in business, I really figured out that it's, you can, you know, we do live in a capitalist society, right? So it's, you know, having enough money and having, feeling confident enough about money really helps people be able to do what they want to do in life, right? If you don't have enough to pay your rent, pay your mortgage, pay for food, it's hard to make a difference, right? It's hard to do that extra, you know, create significance, you know, feel successful. Yeah. And I also, I couldn't agree more. And in addition to this sort of thread of activism throughout your career, I also clearly hear the values-centered choices that you made in terms of as earlier in your career as an activist or, you know, in working in nonprofits, working with environmentalism front and center, that's clearly a values-driven choice. And then moving into um, the bicycle company, you weren't at the bicycle company for no good reason. You were there because you loved bikes and you loved cycling yourself. And as you said, racing yourself. And so you have these personal values that were undergirding the choice to, first of all, be part of that company and then to grow your career at that company. And then now you have the additional um, values-driven choice around helping people making financial decisions that are right for them and that are healthy for their family. Yeah, absolutely. I have... I would never have become a financial advisor right out of college, right? It just wouldn't have made sense for my path. It's, you know, I'm here because of all the other choices that I made, right? And my eyes got opened up to seeing, you know, hey, this, you know, working with people as a financial advisor really is a, something that does align with my values, which I wouldn't have seen, you know, 20 years ago. <laughs> Isn't that fascinating? I know I like to talk with people about like how they tell their career story. And the very, in fact, the very first episode of this podcast is me telling my career story because it takes a very circuitous path from startup high tech company to um, college professor to entrepreneur. And, and, and that's me skipping a few of the more interesting turns that I took along the way. Right. Um, <laughs> so I think it's, it's fascinating for people to really learn that, just because you've maybe gotten X, Y degree or started in a certain industry or a certain kind of company does not necessarily mean that you have to stay there. And early on, you mentioned in our interview today, you talked about being a late bloomer in terms of finding that thing where you really want to you know, be contributing now. And so I'm curious to know, what advice would you have for somebody else who's feeling maybe like they haven't quite found their stride? Maybe they're in their late 20s or early 30s, and they're just not sure if they've been making the right choices, especially, uh, I think, in this time of pandemic, when people are having this moment of inflection and thinking about, have I been making the right choices? Is this where I want things to go? What words of advice or questions would you ask them to ask themselves that might help guide them towards what might be the right next thing for them? You know, it's such a good question. You know, it's, and I think for me, when I was exploring becoming a financial advisor, I talked to everybody, right? I looked on LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. And I found people I knew that had been financial advisors or were currently financial advisors worked in the financial advice, professional finance industry. And I just, you know, I called them, I emailed them, I asked my friends for connections. And so I I talked to people that had been financial advisors and hated it, hated it. 
and told me, oh, it's so terrible. You don't <laughs> want to do it. <laughs> Multiple people, right? And But I ask them, you know, I, I ask them questions to figure out what was it that you disliked? You know, what stage were you at in your life? You know, why did you pursue it in the first place? Then I talked to people who, you know, worked for independent firms who were out on their own, talked about, you know, how did they get there? Um, you know, what was their path? What did they like about it? What did they not like about it? And then I talked to people who worked at Morgan Stanley and its competitors, right? To really understand what's the landscape, you know, what are the personalities that do well? And I was not looking for a job when talking to those people. I did not ask them, will you hire me? But all of them were very willing to help, right? All of them, uh, they wanted updates on, you know, what I ended up doing. They became supporters. They were people that really, you know, helped me get to where I am now. And so that's what I would recommend. You know, for younger people, I tell them to go on LinkedIn and connect with their friends' parents and their parents' friends. Right? Oh, and, that's a brilliant strategy. Right? And then find people that are working, you know, in, in an area that they're interested in. And then just have those, you know, ask nicely and ask for five or 10 minutes, right? Don't ask for an hour. Maybe don't even ask for 30 minutes. And just say, I've got a few questions. I want to ask you, I'm curious how you got where you are now, because I'm thinking about, ex you know, exploring them, this career area and just, you know, ask questions, thank them, don't take too much of their time. And it's, it's worked very well for me. Right. And I think it's a great way to just, you know, don't ask for a job, ask for advice. Mm. Right. There's that, there's that, you know, if, if you ask for advice, people will offer you a job. If you ask for a job, people will give you advice. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes, definitely. Huh. So just sort of, you know, following up on an interest that they have that might be a career. And I suppose for somebody who's really at a crossroads, they might be doing that in several different directions. I mean, it sounds like you kind of were following the cookie crumbs down a particular path because you were already uh, offering that, you know, financial planning advice and so forth to your colleagues prior to even moving into this as a career field. So you had at that point kind of a running start at what you're, where you might go next, but somebody could right. potentially pursue two or three or five different lines of thinking in terms of having those short conversations with people asking for advice about their career path and so forth. Right. And this, this idea actually comes from a book called designing your life. And I, I don't know if you've heard about that, but it's, so I did a, a design thinking program at Stanford and there are two Stanford professors that wrote this book that's basically taking a Stanford class and turning it into this book. And so it's it's using design thinking, an exploratory process for either, you know, change like a moderate change or a big change to your <laughs> career. And it it's exactly that. You pick, you know, three or four different paths and you do interviews and you do exploration. And it's yeah, I I have done that book as a group with other people a few times. I, I love the, the methodology. Excellent. We will link that book up in the show notes for people who are interested in following up on it. It sounds great. Awesome. Great. All right. Now in the few minutes we have left, let me just ask you a couple of questions, pandemic related. I'm curious to know, uh, you know, you've been working from home through most of the pandemic and people have had all kinds of reactions to working from home. How's it gone for you? It has gone pretty darn well. I have a, an office on the third floor of our house, so I'm a bit tucked away. I'll say when everyone was home, so my wife is a teacher, and when my kids were all home, I had to do a lot of you know muting and shooing people <laughs> away during Zoom meetings. 
I did have, you know, I've had some, you know, semi-naked children walk past the <laughs> Zoom camera, uh, dog barking, right? It's, you know, but people are used to it. People are sympathetic. They understand it, it humanizes me. Uh, but I honestly, I've loved not having the commute and I've loved just being able to get up and get my day started. Fantastic. How about any new hobbies or things that you've taken on or maybe something uh, that you've always been doing, but you did more of during the pandemic or you doubled down on it kind of, you know, outside of work? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I have, uh, I, I started working out a lot more, right? Because I, I really need, I need the connection with other people. So I started doing this great Zoom strength training class, which I've kept up with for the most part you know, with my same Zoom people early in the morning with my kettlebells in the basement uh, through the whole pandemic. And I, so I also, um, again, I said that I'm a very goal-oriented person. And so, you know, having a big athletic goal really helps me focus and helps me, you know, keep writing and keep working out. So I set a goal this year that I wanted to set the record for the fastest time across the state of Minnesota for a woman by bicycle. And so I, I did that in <gasps> June of oh, this year. Congratulations. Thank you. I rode from Gary, South Dakota to Prescott, Wisconsin in uh, about 11 hours. Oh, my uh, goodness. Yeah, 196 miles across the state. And it was a great team, a great team of supporters um, you know, helping me across the state. But that was that was that is really my big achievement for this year. Oh, that is so fantastic. And then, and, and it, it takes all the wind out of my last question. Cause I was going to ask you if you're still bike racing, but of course, <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, I don't, you know, I don't race in big groups really anymore. It's a, you know, a lot more personal goals and, you know, big challenges that I want to set for myself or that I do with smaller groups of people. All right. Oh, that's, that is so much fun. I am so glad I asked. <laughs> All right. So Alex, if people want to learn more about you and your financial planning services and all things Alex Magner, where should they go? Janelle, that's such a great question. And thank you for asking me. For folks that want to connect with me or looking to find out more about what I do or want to have a conversation, the easiest way to find me is to just Google my name. So it's Alex, A-L-I-X, Magner, M-A-G-N-E-R. So Google Alex Magner, you'll find the link to my website right at the top there. You'll find the link to my LinkedIn profile. Please connect with me on LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn and love connecting with people there. Thank you. Well, Alex, it has been absolutely my pleasure to sit down with you and talk about your career decisions, how you found the meaningful work at the various points in your career and what makes for meaningful work now and your advice to others who are looking to create the same for themselves. Anything else you'd like to share with the audience before we sign off? No, that's it. This has been so much fun, Janelle. Thank you. All right. You are absolutely welcome. And thank you so much for tuning in to the Working Conversations podcast. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing on the podcast, head on over to Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts and give us five stars and a quick review. It really makes a difference and it keeps us bringing you valuable content that you can put into play in your life. I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, and this is Working Conversations.